All right. Good evening, everybody in live feed land out there. Y'all wave at the live feed back there. Let them know we love them, miss them. Hope they'll come back soon if they can, if they're able. Yes, yes, yes. After the uh, snow apocalypse, you know. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you. Who built snowman? <laughs> Raise your hand. Woohoo! Let's try that again. Who built a snowman? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. Come on, people. You're kidding me. <laughs> wow, I figured everybody would have Who in here has one. ever built a snowman? Oh, there it is. More hands. Better hands. Better I always hands. wonder when I get really loud like that if the live feed people are like, we hate you right now. So, sorry. Sorry, live nah. feed people. No way. No way. <laughs> well, uh, we, we had a really great week of snow, and now you know what's going to start tonight? Rain. And you know rain, how long that rain, rain's going to last? Is it that long? I thought it was nine. Better build an ark. Yeah. Get ready. So, so, so we were froze out, now we're going to be washed out. So good grief. It is just unbelievable. I told Chuck I'm really glad that the Lord promised that he'd never flood the earth again. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I am trying to get my uh, computer to cooperate here right quick, and uh, we will be ready to get moving with you guys and girls on uh, Ezekiel tonight. So... Um, by a show of hands, who was, uh, let's see, what word do I want to, what I want to say? Uh, if you were shocked by some of the content of Ezekiel, raise your hand. Okay, because Dick Peach just came up and told me that it's been a while since he had read all of Ezekiel and that he, he just was fascinated by the stuff that was in Ezekiel. I believe the word is flabbergasted. Flabbergasted by yes. what was in Ezekiel. Yes. So it, it, it is very You know, I just, I strange. love, I love, again, I know I keep saying this and I'm getting redundant, but I love this series because it's just, I don't care how many times you read through the Bible, I don't, I don't care how many times you, you, you just get acquainted with Scripture. Yeah. Um, it always, when you go back through, or again, when you're just kind of picking up something where you left off, it just surprises you. Mm -hmm. It blows your mind every yeah. single time you go through. Um, I, for amazing. some reason, and I, I don't, I can't explain why really, but, but I, I, I find, and y'all tell me if this, if this fits you, but I found that Ezekiel was easier to read than Jeremiah or Isaiah. Who, who votes yes, raise your hand. Who votes no, raise your hand. Who doesn't care, raise your hand. Nobody, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is about the book. I just found it. I think I found that it just flow. It just flows really yeah. good, and mm -hmm. it just seemed. It seemed to be easier to read for me. There's such a you know. There's a reason that like people who teach you how to write, they say you know put a good hook in there first. And I mean, goodness gracious, Ezekiel, man, the way it starts off is like an explosion of of just like it just catches you. You know, you're like, who are these beasts? And, you know, what do they look like again? And how many wings do they have? And yeah. there's eyes on the wheels? What? You know, and you just kind of, it kind of catches you off guard a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, just imagine being him and seeing that thing. Absolutely. All right, well, let's dive right in. If you've got your Bible, you can have it out. We're gonna, what we're gonna do is try to do it like we normally do. We'll probably do two sessions on Ezekiel. I think tonight we're gonna try to get all the way through to, um, to Ezekiel's wife's death. Uh, then we will probably not spend a tremendous amount of time in the judgments on the nations, and then jump to the to Ezekiel's teachings after the fall of uh, off of, after the fall of Jerusalem. So I think we're going to try to get to 24 tonight. So if you underline some passages that you want to share, I underlined a bunch. Uh, we'll try to take some time near the end and do that, and then we'll pick back up next week with the um, with the 33 through the end. So 
That's Eddie Dow back there, everybody. Give him a round of applause. Eddie Dow, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. The Eddie life Dow. you can't see him. Eddie, man. nobody's excited that you're here, man. I'm sorry. I tried to tie you up a little bit, but I love it. No. Okay, all right. I like Good. that red shirt. <laughs> all right, well, let's get after it. Ezekiel. All right, there's your picture I found online. It's one of the one of the neater ones I found online. We've sort of looked at Isaiah and Jeremiah, and now we're looking at Ezekiel. Ezekiel's got that got that blue blue cloak, blue uh, robe thing going on there, looking looking good. All right, so here's a chronology of the ministry of Ezekiel, where you can kind of see on the timeline where we are. You've got the kings of Judah up at the top, and the kings of Egypt, the kings of Babylon, which in this case would be Nebuchadnezzar. And you see the deportation to Babylon in 597, and then the, the destruction of uh, Jerusalem in 586. You see the ministry of Ezekiel right, right, in, right in that time frame. So it's really interesting how he gets taken into exile, and then he is prophesying against Jerusalem while he's in exile with, with, the, with the Jews yeah. um, in Babylon at the Kabar River. It's, yeah. it's really unique. It and again, <clears throat> remember, at this particular time, and I think Stringfellow talks about this, You've got, uh, you've got Jeremiah, who's, who's prophesying in, in the homeland. You've got, um, you've got uh, Ezekiel at the Kabar River with the exiles. And who do you have in the court of the king? We're studying him next week, or in two weeks. You just saw him have a lion as a yeah, pet. Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. So but, at this particular time in, in, in Israel, you've got a, God has a prophet with his people in the three areas where they are, which I have always thought was really, really interesting. To be honest with you, I, I really have not connected all that layering in my mind until you mentioned it. So yeah, that's, that's, and it's not easy to do. I mean, you, you have to spend yeah. a long, I mean, a long time studying and, that. And stuff. again, there it is. I mean, we're constantly learning from scripture as we explore. So constantly, uh, I found this on. Um, I think this was in a commentary of mine that I was that I've used to prepare it for tonight. I thought this really helped. Uh, you've got the oracles concerning Israel, which is chapters one through twenty-four, which is prior to the fall of Jerusalem. Then you've got the oracles about foreign nations, which is 25 through 32, which is not specifically about, about Israel. And then you've got that's during the siege. And then the last few chapters are the oracles concerning Israel after the fall of Jerusalem for consolation and comfort. So that kind of helps you get an overview. I don't know about you, but I, overviews of books help me tremendously. I think I've told you dozens of times, I am not a guy that goes, I, I just, I've never had the ability to, to memorize large chunks of text uh, I mean, I can memorize one or two, but I'm, I'm just not good at that. But I can give you kind of, kind of an overview of the theological perspective of a book. You, you know, know, I can do that. And two, like something like Ezekiel, if you're just reading, like you guys as you were reading Ezekiel this week, can you get kind of lost in all of the, uh, all of the lingo of Israel's whoring and Israel's bloodshed and Israel's false prophets and these kinds of things. You get kind of lost in that lingo sometimes, and this grid really helps you kind of get that segmented in your mind and understand the portions of what, uh, the, the movements of what he's prophesying. Yeah, so. I, I, absolutely, man. Great way of saying it. All right, let's move forward here. So this is your book, and your book comes right out of your book. I just take the Stringfellow book, and I literally type it into a PowerPoint presentation. Who knows, man, maybe one day we'll try to publish it Driven by go. the word, you know, who knows? We have to, we'll have to buy it from Stringfellow first That's and right. publish it, yeah. but anyway. All right, so the book, Among the Jews Taken Captive by Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon in his second invasion of Judah was a man named who? Ezekiel, yeah. If, who, anybody in here know anybody named Zeke? We got somebody in the church named Zeke? Oh, yeah, Zeke, uh, yeah, Debbie, Debbie's husband. That's right, that's right. Oh, Zeke, that's right. 
Yeah. Who? Train crew. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. Oh, by the way, um, my sister's birthday is today. I don't know how old she is. I'm 51. She's okay. five years younger than me. So was that Probably like, better not to say, right? Was, <laughs> makes her 45. So happy birthday, Shannon. I know you're not probably watching this, happy but birthday. hey, I'll send you a link later and you can watch it. <laughs> happy birthday. So, <laughs> so uh, Daniel had been taken captive in an earlier invasion in 606 B.C., by, by the dating at the time that Stringfellow wrote this. And remember, a lot of times on the dating of things, if you read something like 25, 30 years ago that was written and then read something today, sometimes archeological evidence that they find makes them tweak, tweak the date a little bit, you know, plus or minus 10, 15 years, 30 years, things like that. But generally they're all, they're all within 10 or 15 years, 20 years. Uh, Ezekiel was to be the prophet to the Jews in exile while Daniel served as God's ambassador to the court of the king. So does, does that, is that as impressive to you as it is to me that, that during all this time of, of a tumultuous uh, change with the Jewish people that God made sure to have a prophet with them in every area? Does that give you comfort to know that God always is gonna have a prophet or a preacher for his people somewhere, a true prophet and preacher? Uh, to me, that's just a, a great comfort to know that there will yeah. always be someone. He will always have a remnant. He'll always have somebody there Absolutely. Pre preaching the truth. Yeah. All right. Ezekiel, like Jeremiah, was a priest as well as a prophet. And Jesus fulfilled all three, which were what? Prophet, priest, and king. So remember that. Jesus was the one, the one, the one that fulfilled all three of those offices, prophet, priest, and king. David, King David, had two, but he was not a priest, right? Right. Ezekiel was 30 years of age when he began his prophetic ministry to the Jews gathered there in Babylon. 30 years old. 30 years old. How old was Jesus when he started his ministry? Yeah, that's what we believe, according to the textual evidence and the timing in history. I mean, just imagine being 30 years old and having this intense message. That's how old you are, aren't you 30? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Absolutely. I was, I was, I was like identifying with him. Yeah. I was just like, man, 30 years old and like cooking your food over yeah. duty. And Laying on one side for 390 and, days and flipping absolutely. on the other side for 390 and days. And telling people, you sinners, <laughs> you're terrible. Cooking Repent. your food over, over dung. That would be really nice. Absolutely. You would love that. I, uh, yep. Yep. I'm a woodsman <laughs> at heart, you know, so <laughs> bring <All right>. it on. <clears throat> he had been captive in Babylon for five years when he began prophesying. So he is with the exiles and he's been there for five years. Think about that. I've only been here, it'll be two years in about a week. And so Ezekiel was, with, was in exile with the Jews for five years. What do you think the purpose of waiting that long was? Phil. Ah, kaboom. Excellent answer. Yeah. Very good. All right, for six years, he told of the coming fall of Jerusalem, and this takes up one half of the book. It's one of the reasons why I thought we'd stop there tonight, was chapter 24. <clears throat> His name means what? God strengthens. Do, do any of you, does your name mean anything? Do you know what your name means? Christopher means Christ-bearer. Christ-bearer, okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mine's Shelby. You know what Shelby means? <laughs> it means, and I looked this up one time because I was curious to know what my name meant and it means where the willows weep that's pretty cool i kind of i kind of i mean cool. i have no idea you know that, 
I didn't know what Abigail meant, and then a nurse told me that it means a father's joy. Yeah. And I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Where the willows weep. That's, good. That's awesome, man. I like uh, it. Is, it, is it awesome? I, I like it. I think okay. it's kind of epic. You know, where <laughs> okay. the, we're going to meet where the willows weep. I don't know. It just sounds cool to me. <laughs> the so. weeping prophet, the weeping willow is hey, going to preach for us today, is. right? Yeah. All right. The author, the author can be none other than who? Ezekiel. And why do we know that? Because the book says so, exactly. That, that's, that's a great thing when the book identifies, uh, identifies itself. The central message, now this, if reading this book, you did not miss this phrase because it was on every other page, every other paragraph. They shall know that I am the Lord, or the word of the Lord came to me. Over and over and over and over. I really loved um, in, this, in this portion thinking about that the glory of God, um, if you watched the Bible Project video, that the glory of God uh, had come to him at the Kibar River, um, and, or canal, and why, I think the question he asked in that video is why was the glory of God there? And it's interesting, because we'll see in just a little bit, I don't want to ruin it, but you know, that, that God's glory was moving away from his own people mm-hmm. to, uh, to be with them in exile. And I just thought that that was such a cool point that God is kind of like to have his prophets with his people. He's going to be with his people. Even when he, I mean, some of this language, I'm like, man, he is going to waylay them. And yet he still loves his people. I mean, that should be so encouraging. It's encouraging for me. Yeah. It's just like where he always has a prophet with his people. He always has the presence with the people. Yeah, absolutely. Then those are all the references where you see, uh, where you see that passage, they shall know that I am the Lord, all those references there. The structure of the book, the call and commission of Ezekiel, probably one of the most fascinating calls in any book in the Bible uh, to the depth of the detail that you get. Uh, Paul the Apostle's conversion uh, account on the Damascus Road has always been fascinating to me, but this one, I mean, it just, it just takes it. I mean, I don't, know, I don't know of another one anywhere that is this fascinating and this interesting, and I will also say this much misunderstood as, yeah. as this one is. Yeah. Uh, a lot, you have a lot of people that try to justify uh, alien life forms, UFOs, yeah, yeah. just uh, spaceships and all kind of stuff uh, because of, of the call of, of chapter one. I've got pictures in here just a minute we'll look at and we'll talk about a little bit more. The judgments on Jerusalem, four through 24, talking about uh, the, coming, the coming destruction at the hands of Babylon. Yeah. The prophecies of judgment, four through seven, the reasons for judgment, 8 through 11. Did you notice how many times the Sabbath, forsaking the Sabbath, was, was mentioned? Did you notice that? Uh, let that be a, a valuable lesson to us in contemporary society about blowing off church in a moment's notice for anything. Because that would be, that would be the parallel to the New Testament, would be not forsaking what? The Lord's day, right? So, so, so it was so serious, that, that breach of covenant was so serious to God that it was one of the primary reasons why God destroyed both nations and sent them into exile. So we need to honor, respect, and come to worship on the Lord's day. Uh, symbols and messages of judgment, and then judgment on the foes of Judah. That's, uh, that's the foreign nations, all the judgment of the foreign nations. There were several, several pages on that. Israel's resurrection, uh, which is fascinating. We, we'll talk about that next week. Uh, the Millennial Temple, all kind of very interesting things. Uh, he parallels uh, the passages in Romans about the resurrection of Israel. It's just, just really mind-blowing stuff there. And then Israel in the land during the kingdom age, uh, 40 through 48. 
So it's an incredible book. Uh, a lot of diversity, a lot of neat things uh, in Ezekiel. The call and commission of Ezekiel, okay? If you got your Bible, turn to chapter 1. And I just don't know, Colton, you correct me if I'm wrong, I just don't see how we can start off a study on Ezekiel without reading yeah, chapter absolutely. 1. Do y'all agree? I mean, it's just how, how can we study Ezekiel without, without reading this incredible first chapter? So, all right. Let's see. I might probably have to have some help, Colton, if my voice yeah, gives out. So I'll, I'll do half of it and you can do the other half. Absolutely. Okay? Sounds good, man. All right. So uh, I'll start. This is Ezekiel chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. And I'll go to, uh, let's see, um, I'll go to 21, and then you can do the rest. How about that? Sounds good. Okay. <clears throat> As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures and this was their appearance they had human they had a human likeness but each had four faces and each of them had four wings their legs were straight and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot and they sparkled like burnished bronze under their wings on their four sides they had human hands and the four had their faces and their wings thus their wings touched one another each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side, the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces, and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies." And each went straight forward wherever the spirit would go. They went without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like gleaming of beryl. And the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being, as it were, a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went. And the wheels rose along with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. That's interesting. Yeah. When those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Colton? Over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal, spread out above their heads. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight, one toward another. And each creature had two wings covering its body. And when they went, he heard the sound of their wings, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult, like the sound of an army. 
When they stood still, they let down their wings, and there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings, and above the expanse over their heads there was, uh, there was the likeness of a throne, an appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of, uh, of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance, and upward from what had, uh, had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him, like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was, such was the appearance of all the likeness of the glory of the Lord." And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Whew. Can y'all go, whoo-wee. It's incredible. Man, I'm telling you what. I mean, I, 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 mean, I, I, love, I read that, and I'm just like, I, I just. I don't even know. I just like, I, I'm speechless. Yeah. Because, I mean, just the fact of you see these awesome creatures. And, and who do the awesome creatures remind you of, by the way? Yep. What from, about, the, from the Isaiah vision. And what about uh, Revelation? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Revelation and the four living creatures who mm-hmm. had eyes all eyes without all within. And so that, that's what I was thinking of. But then you see God on the throne, and it's like he looks like fire and sapphire, and uh, it's yep. incredible. And, and so Ezekiel sees this, y'all, and what was, what was Ezekiel's reaction? Fell on his face. Okay. So if he fell on his face, technically, what was he doing? <laughs> I hadn't thought about hiding. Maybe he was. Yeah, yeah maybe. I, 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 think, I think that in fear, I think he probably realized it was his God, but I think in fear he was provoked to fall on his face in worship as Isaiah, as Isaiah did. Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. I think we can glean a lot from that yeah. because in today's worship culture, uh, is falling on our face in fear how we approach God for the most part? No. We walk in here expecting us to put on a performance for the consumers that have showed up. That's the way most churches are. You want to come here and you want to be entertained. Okay? Now, hopefully that's not the way you feel, but I know there are a lot of churches yeah. that, that that is the paradigm of ministry. Is that what you see happening in Ezekiel? No. Ezekiel's not being entertained. Ezekiel it has the fear of God. He falls on his face before God in reverence of God because as far as he knew, he was about to whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> be I, killed, I, I, be I, taken home. I mean, you know, who, right? who knows what? And I believe actually the word worship, I, I, I don't know in the Hebrew or the Greek or maybe both, it means to bow down. So it means to fall down, bow down yeah. before the Lord. So. so so, just remember that, you know, because you, you, you get a lot of strange ideas today about how, I mean, we, you'll see churches where, where you go in and it's almost like a, like a party, people jumping around, acting crazy and doing stuff like that. And I think that the Bible gives us a very different idea of what real worship is. It's about reverence and awe coming before God. And I'm not saying you can't enjoy it. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that it's not a wonderful experience. But I'm just saying, when you look at the prophets of old, when you look at the ones that were closer to God than anybody else was in the Old Testament, 
you don't see a consumer mentality. You don't yeah. see an entertainment mentality. You see men that are fearful before God and fall on their face before God. Yeah. Just, just, just remember that. And you know, it's... Do you want to say something, Jack? Ezekiel was being sealed by God. Right. 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 Yeah. The theophany comes, the fear, the fear hits yeah. him, and then he calls him to, to, to do the job. And it's neat because when you look at the, this, the span of redemptive history, you know, we're on this far end now of where Christ has come. We're like, you know, 2,000-some years later after his death and resurrection and ascension, and we're not seeing theophanies all the time. You know, right. we're, not, we're not getting, here's a man who he may have had access to some scrolls of, mm -hmm. probably not, he's in exile, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think it's kind of something that just dawned on me. I mean, how do you secure in your servant that he's going to follow you faithfully? Well, there's only one person who can really truly do that at the end of the day, and that's God. And he shows this grand vision of who he is, almost kind of like he's flexing his muscles, and he says, here's my holiness, here's my Shekinah glory, this is me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Ezekiel at that point, I mean, if he wasn't sold out before, mm -hmm. you better believe he's falling down saying, Lord, have me, do what you want with me. Because, and anything you want me to say, if you want me to lay on my side for 390 days, I'll do it, Lord. And then 40 on the other side, because you are worthy. Yep. And I think we don't have, my whole point for saying that is, we don't have theophanies anymore, but we have the word of God. There you go and we draw near and experience God, I, you know, it, it burdens my heart, and then we'll get right back into it, but mm -hmm. it burdens my heart. We have someone that, that I used to know uh, in the past, and just through Facebook, you know, Facebook always makes you lament, and I'm not gonna get on that trail tonight, but, <laughs> but it's interesting because seeing, and not just the individual I'm thinking about, but so many individuals who will express this, I experienced this, and, and that's how I know that this is my truth and that kind of mm -hmm. thing. And it's, it's, you know, and everyone's looking for this crazy, um, overwhelming, ex euphoric experience that's going to help them come into their truth. And I'm, and I'm like, well, first off, your experience is, is never going to lead you into the truth. Your heart is, is deceptively wicked and who can understand it? The only way we're going to know the direction of the Lord and experience the Lord like Ezekiel did is right here. And hey, look, this... Peter, remember what Peter said. What did Peter say about being on the, uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration? He said, we heard God. We saw Jesus transformed, right? But you have the word. He was, he was lifting the word of God above that experience. And so if we want to experience God, if we want to have that bow down, worshipful kind of moment, man, all you need to do is come to Ezekiel chapter one and just bask in that. And just, and, and, and trust me, it will transform your heart as you continue to walk through the word. Yeah. And, and that's what we forget. Yeah, and and John, John had the exact same experience in Revelation, right? When the appearance of the resurrected Christ came, he, he fell as though dead. So, mm -hmm. so I, I, my whole point in going that direction was just the, the, modern, the modern American church specifically has this performance entertainment idea about it and I mean and that's an argue, debatable point sure but, but I, I've seen it and I've experienced it I know, I know it's true 
if you're going to walk with, if you're going to walk with God, you, you've got to approach him and approach the word with, with, with fear and trembling and love toward God. Not this idea that he's somebody to go party with, okay? Uh, the party, the, where, where, when's the party happen? Eternity. That's yeah. when the party is. Okay, right, right now it's work. Right now it's work. So. You know, and the last thing I would say to that is I, I, think, I think if I'm following everything that we've both said in this little side quest here, um, <laughs> is that, and it's not really a side quest, it, it comes into the point I think that's being made here is that you can't come to church and say, God, here's how I want it done. That's right. Give me my Christianity. That's good. That's, that's, that's not the God that we see Ezekiel con- uh, confronted with. We see the God in Ezekiel who comes to you and he says, this is how it's going to be done. And this is the best thing for you. And, and I think that's, yeah, that's we can't good. come with our demands. That's we good. have to come ready and open arm. That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he, because he is a son of man. Yeah. He's just a son of man. Well, when Jesus uses it, it's the exact same reason, because he is a son of man. He's also the son of God, but he's a son of man too. I think so. the son of man with Jesus is emphasizing what Shelby said, the incarnation, yeah. right? Um, but then, yeah, with Ezekiel, he's pre- it's pretty much a title of his place. Yeah. You're the son of man, I'm God. Well, it's like, you know, if, if God showed up here suddenly in a theophany, brought his, you know, his chariot, we, I, I, I love the interpretation that this is God, a chariot that God rides down to, to, to visit Ezekiel, he would call you the exact same thing. He would say, Jack, son of man, because you are a son of man. So, all right. So if we compare, uh, he compares here, Stringfellow compares Revelation 117 and Ezekiel 128. I'll bring those on out for you. I like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of the rain. That's obviously talking about Noah and the flood. So was the appearance of the brightness all around. So the coloring was similar to what the rainbow was. In Revelation 117, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I am the first and last. So really interesting parallels, Ezekiel, the vision he has. And why, why, would, why would that parallel so clearly? It's the same God, same situation, right? Right, okay. There's a picture we found uh, to kind of help you envision the, um, what we, what a lot of people call the heavenly chariot that comes down carrying God's presence. Uh, God the Father, Jesus, uh, I don't, don't, the interpretations of who's on the throne, God the Father, Jesus, both, all three, who who knows? You just like threw a theological (laughs) like conundrum at me there, I I don't. You can read as many commentaries as you want, and, and you'll get all different types of interpretations. You know, I would just say in Revelation, who do you see sitting on the throne? Christ. The Father, right? right the Father, right. Christ, Christ, right is, Christ is walking amongst right. the churches. Right, Yeah, so, so that, that's one picture. Here's another one that I like better. I like the color, the fiery color in that one uh, with, with the throne, with the throne on top of the wheels. And I was going to say, actually, I feel like that one's a little more accurate yeah. only because in the Scripture it says that the wheels were beside mm-hmm. the, the uh, living creatures. Now, this is what blows your mind. I hope y'all think this way. One of these days, most likely, we're going to get to see all this. You do realize oh, that, I right? Hope so. Yes. <clears throat> Nod your head. Yes. Yes. We get to see. You know all what this. I thought about? What's that? Um, is when he says that the rims were huge, were tall and awesome. I was like thinking about like the people who like dub up their cars, you know, and they have like <laughs> these really cool. Like I'm like, God's got the coolest rims, guys. You're not going to beat God. He has got the coolest <laughs> rims. That's right. He does. He's got the coolest rims. 
Yeah. That's pretty cool. That is neat. Huh. Wonder if we make that. Wonder if I did that. Yeah. No signs in the Bible, huh? <laughs> yeah, no signs in the Bible. <laughs> Think God's pretty yeah. smart. <laughs> yep, exactly. All right, so back to the call and commission. So Ezekiel saw the signs of judgment in the whirlwind, and fire followed by the four cherubim with four faces. The same living beings were at, that should be, at the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3.24 and who appear at the throne of God in Revelation 4, 6, and 8. Each had four faces, a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle. Um, Genesis 3.24, he drove out the man and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. And then we see the exact same, uh, exact same being in Revelation 4. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal, and around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures. And this is the creepiest part to me, full of eyes in front and behind. Just imagine something with eyes all over it. Yeah. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, the fourth living creature uh, like an eagle in flight. So, uh, just an incredible thing we are privileged to see and know of in the scripture. Okay, Revelation 4, 6, and 8, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around within, and day and night they never cease to say, what do they say? We've got a song, don't we, that says that? Holy, 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 yep, yeah. is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And they're singing that right now, right? Right now in the, in the, in the third heaven, Paul would say, oh, do y'all know the, the, the different heavens? The first heaven is from here to the blue sky. The second heaven is from the blue sky out, to the, out into space. The third heaven is beyond space to the abode of God. So when you hear the third heaven, that's the abode of God, which is beyond known space. That's how the ancients believed it. When the Son of God became flesh, he is pictured in Matthew. I thought this was interesting. I, 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 I want to say I'd learned this at one time years ago, but it's been a while since yeah. I'd heard this, and it's really helpful. When the Son of God became flesh, he is pictured in Matthew as a lion, in Mark the ox, Luke the man, and John the eagle. Then commission is given to Ezekiel, beginning at Ezekiel 2.3, and he said to me, Son of man, Jack, there we go, there's your term, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. That sounds real familiar to a book we just got through going through not too long ago. The whole book of Hebrews was yeah. about don't be like Israel and rebel against and no, me. No, actually, I really think that Ezekiel and Stephen, the first martyr, mm -hmm. would have been great friends. You think? Yeah, because, I mean, he literally calls them stiff-necked. Mm -hmm. And then they stone him. Yeah, but, may, very well maybe. When we know he read it, for sure. Yeah. He was familiar with it. Yeah. Okay, the judgments of Jerusalem, 4 through 24. So Ezekiel preached to the Jews in Babylon that Jerusalem would be destroyed, and he received this message through a vision 
he saw in chapter eight, Judah profaning the temple. So we see the image of jealousy. We see the 70 Jewish elders offer incense to beasts. We see the women weeping for Tammuz, the Greek God. And we see 25 men worshiping the sun. And then the Lord says, I will deal in fury. So it's very graphic. So this is where, let's see what the next slide is. I can't remember. Let me check it right quick. The judgments. Uh, yeah, let's keep on going. Then we'll, then we'll go back and, uh, and look at them. We'll, we'll go to the Bible and re read a little bit if y'all if y'all like to. What time is it? Yeah, we got we got okay. time to do that. So chapter nine is a picture of judgment. Ten departure of the presence of God from the temple. What you were talking about, how the presence of God left the temple to go be with His people in yeah. exile. Uh, then the departure of the glory of the Lord from Jerusalem and the doom of the city was sealed. And Ezekiel saw this coming. The prophets saw this uh, in the vision uh, given to him from God. Ezekiel also preached and prophesied through symbolic actions. Now this this was some really interesting stuff. I mean, if you read this, you had to be going, wow, we need Ezekiel today, amen? Mm -hmm. I mean, we do, we need him today. Yeah. They were done to impress the people and cause them to remember the message. All right, these symbolic actions. Okay, well, well let's go back and now go through some of these um, scriptures here. All right, if you've got one that you have underlined and you want to mention, ring it out. Let's see, and now we've already read chapter one, so... We'll start from chapter two, and just if you have something that you want to, that you want to read, I've got something already that I think is just the coolest yeah, thing, one of the coolest here. things ever in chapter two. Does anybody have anything marked in chapter two, like around verse eight, that you want to read? Okay, I'll read it then. Look at Ezekiel chapter two, verse eight. I love this. This would be a great name for a new Sunday school class. Hint, hint, hint. <laughs> but you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it, and he spread it before me. And it had writing on the front and on the back, and there was written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, son of man, what? Eat. Whatever you find here, eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth. He gave me this scroll to eat, and he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it. What did it taste like? Honey. Sweet as honey. So is the word, here's the question. Man, if I was preaching this passage, this would be the question that I would launch into the sermon with. Is, does the word of God taste sweet to you? Seriously, when you come here Sunday in, Sunday out, when you open your Bible up at home, wherever you are, do you approach it like Ezekiel in obedience? Do you take the word of God and literally consume it into your body? I really believe that in a roundabout way, that's what Jesus was talking about in John chapter six when he said, what? You must eat my what? Eat my flesh and drink my blood or you can have no part of me. But I mean, does he, does he literally mean to eat him? He couldn't have. I mean, there, there, wasn't enough, there wasn't enough Jesus to go around. He would have had to multiply himself into like 10 or 12 Jesuses to feed everybody, right? No. <laughs> well, that was bread and fish, though. That was bread and fish. He was talking about his own body and blood, David. Come on. So what he meant was, was that if you are going to consume him, you have to learn him and obey him to become as he is. It's the same thing that he meant that... Uh, that uh, 
God meant by giving Ezekiel this scroll to eat. I mean, it's, it's symbolic of literally taking this Bible and eating it and chewing it and going into your body and digesting it and you becoming the word is, is how much the word should be a part of us and that it should taste good. In other words, instead of us running from the word of God because it tastes bad and we don't want to eat and don't want to feed on it, what should we be doing week in and week out and every day? Craving the word of God. Because, I mean, how many of y'all like honey in here? Raise your hand if you like honey. Most everybody likes honey, right? You ever met a honey you didn't like? That's a joke, but anyway, you didn't get it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But honey is fantastic. I, I mean, when, when we have it, I like to get it straight from the hive. But I don't know that I've ever eaten honey that I didn't like. It was, it was all good. And honey is also symbolic of what else? The promises given to who? Israel, because where were they, where were they supposed to be going to? A land, land. of what? Milk and, Milk and honey, which, which was symbolic of the abundance, the spiritual abundance and spiritual blessing that, that God was going to provide them in the promised land. So there, there is so much tied up into that one, those, those few little verses there about eating the word of God. I mean, it, it, it's, it's symbolic of, of blessing. It's symbolic of the promises. It's symbolic of salvation. It's symbolic of protection. It's symbolic of all types of different things because where is Ezekiel when he's been asked to eat this scroll? Is he home in, in comfort and lavishing in luxury? No, he has been kidnapped. His people have been destroyed. He has been kidnapped and taken to a foreign land and he has lived there for five years. I mean, I'm sure they weren't eating good. I'm sure they weren't treated just great. I mean, the Babylonians were some of the most brutal, one of the most brutal people groups on earth. So it's just, it's, it's, it's a good yeah. passage. You know, and I, I think- A lot, uh, lot in that. I think you mentioning, um, we should be craving the word. Honestly, I feel like in our day, if, if you, you know, we look out the congregation, they look, they're looking at us. I mean, I don't think our struggle is, you know, obviously like wooden pillars that we're worshiping or anything like that. I, I think that there's just so many distractions. And, and because there's so many distractions that are visually just right there in front of us, I, I think that we miss... It's like, you know, you were talking about honey, and like, I, I can just pour on the honey day in and day out, but, but something else, just to akin it to, uh, working out, you know, nobody in the beginning likes to work out. I, I hate working out, and I'm, you know, this has been a New Year's resolution that I've failed at and picked back up and failed at and picked back up again, but I find the weeks that I'm really into it, I'm really getting after it. I, I, I get really excited about that next day that I'm going to get up and I'm going to work out because it feels better. I feel better. My joints don't hurt as much because I've, I've laid off for two or three weeks, you know. And I think the same thing happens with the Word. We've got, you know, getting rid of the, the poisons and the toxins that have filled us up, and, and now we're craving just the pure water of God's mm -hmm. Word. So. You know, I, another m metaphor came to my mind as you were talking. You know, it's like, it's like when you're trying to, to, to move from milk to meat, you know, in yeah. teaching. I mean, I know, I know the milk is easy. You know, it's yeah. easy to camp out with a spiritual milk. It's, it's somewhat easy to understand. And what holds, I think, some people back from, from wanting, taking a long-term view is if somebody, if somebody slaps down a big old, what's, somebody give me your favorite steak. Port, oh yeah, okay, a big old three-quarter inch thick porterhouse steak. I mean, can you stick a fork in it and cram that whole thing in your mouth? What you happens? Look really <laughs> silly doing it. <laughs> I mean, you, you can try, but it's not going to go well for you. And somebody, the paramedics, going to have to be called before it's over with. 
So, so what you do is you take it in small bites, right? So you just, you just take it in, in, in small bites. So if you come across a theology, I mean, just speaking for me, it would be eschatology. I mean, that's one of those, that's just kind of a, that's just a very difficult long-term study to, to, uh, to, to try to develop what you believe about the end times instead of just trusting what somebody else says about it, you know, to go study it. And it's something that you, you, you would have to shut your life completely down and do nothing else for a couple of months and do nothing but study the Bible and open several commentaries to, to figure out where, where you stand on eschatology unless you just want to take somebody else's word for it, okay? Or that's like trying to eat the whole porterhouse in one bite. Or you can study it slowly because you've got a child that you've got to take care of. You've got work you've got to go to. You've got other things in your life that are going on. So if you want to learn this huge, meaty theology, don't get frustrated that you can't figure it all out in 15, 20 minutes. It takes years sometimes to understand everything that the Bible is teaching us because, because we're also living while we're learning it and while we're, it's kind of like Romans 12, what does it say? You, don't be conformed to the yeah, world, but transformed by the renewal of the mind so that by testing, you may discern what the perfect, pleasing will of God is. So it's yep. like you're taking that steak and you're trying to eat it slowly, taking that theological truth and trying to eat it slowly over time. You will learn by constant application and learning. God will reveal his truth to you more clearly than you could have ever dreamed. I didn't mean to go that far on what I was saying, but I was trying to make a point on that. So don't get frustrated if there's something in the word of God that, that, that you were having a hard time understanding. Just relax and take it slow and take it in small doses. Don't get frustrated and just quit. Stay at it. Just stay at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You want to say something, Jack? Yes, in Jeremiah too. Yes. That way, he told him He told Isaiah and Jeremiah that. For the rejection. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Well, you can't camp out milk forever. I mean, I mean, everybody starts with milk. Everybody yeah. does. I mean, that, that's everybody starts off with milk. But you can't, you can't, you can't live there. I, I love what Rob Reno said. I thought that was one of the smartest things oh, I've ever heard. Yeah. Talking about the vitamins. Mm -hmm. You know, vitamins are great for you. They are. Well, we took them during the COVID uh, crisis uh, to try to, you know, because everybody was saying it was zinc and was it B1 or D? I can't remember what the vitamins were they told you to take. Okay. But, but we, we took, uh, he was talking about you can't live off vitamins, though, because if all you take is vitamins, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get malnutrition, and you're, you're going to have some serious health problems. But you, yeah. can, you, can, uh, you can substitute or you can take uh, complementary yeah. vitamins, and it works fine. Yep. All right, so where are we? Did y'all find a passage with all this talking we've been doing? Did y'all find another passage to we read? We gave you a lot of buffer time It's there. 10 till 7. Somebody's <laughs> got to come up with a passage now. I've got one, but I'm going to... Okay. Look at chapter 3, verse 12. This tells you how loud that the, that the flying creatures were with the wheels. Oh, yeah. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. And what he heard was, was all of the, the angels or the seraphim and the cherubim and those wheels moving. Uh, it was so loud, it sounded like 
like thunder, like an earthquake. All right, well, anything else? Colton, you got something? Go ahead. You got, oh, okay, go ahead, Brandon. All right, all right, here we go now, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, that's a you great know, point. I I was like hung up on that because I was searching Revelation. Where is it where John is is picked up in the spirit? Okay, I knew he had fallen down. I just okay, okay, because I was like searching for it because I was like I know. Yeah, the, the parallels there are, are incredible. They, they really are. They yeah. really are. Yeah. Great, great comment. Anything else? Yes, Tony. I like the fact that he held Ezekiel accountable to repeat and tell the wicked exactly what the Lord said. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our legal system is supposed to be built that way, right? Tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Yeah. No matter what happens, tell the truth. Is that how you feel as a, as a, as a pastor? What's that? That God says, you tell them what I tell you. Yes. Well, of course. Oh, I, I do, and I, but I mean, I still grieve. I mean, if they, if if I, if I've tried to warn them and tried to tell them, and they still don't take heed the advice, and they still go off into sin, I mean, I, I'll, we still pray, and we still try to continue to retrieve them back. But most of the time, they're not interested in listening, listening anymore. Uh, but but you still, you know, you still reach out because you don't know what other sometimes. And this is going to sound really strange, but but sometimes those that are hardened like that. There are other people in their life that see that hardness, that don't like that hardness. And so if you will, or don't understand that hardness, and so if you continue to try to have a, as much as you can, to have a link into that person, sometimes that person will lead you to other people that are actually receptive uh, to, to the gospel. That's, that's yeah. what I found. You know, it's interesting, Tony, what you brought up. I was, one thing that caught me was not actually, which that's a, a fantastic portion of Ezekiel, but I actually looked at 13 uh, verse 6, and he's talking about the false prophets. And uh, what he says in verse 6, they have seen false visions and lying div uh, divinations. They say, uh, declares the Lord, when the Lord has not sent them, and yet they expect him to fulfill their word. And this, using that declares the Lord, or thus saith the Lord, um, you know, really, what is the pastor doing, uh, what is the minister doing when they come up to teach or to preach the word? They're pointing at the Bible and saying, thus saith the Lord to the people of God. And you better believe, I mean, that's, God takes his word very seriously. And so the weight of that is, is incredible. Um, you know, and it's, it's not something, it, it's, it's better, in fact, and that's why you'll see us say, when you guys ask really good questions and we don't know the answer, we, say we, we might try know. to stay, take a stab at it, but sometimes we'll just say, I don't know. We don't know. Because it's better to say that than to stand under. To tell you something that's wrong. Yeah. No, I know. I know. 
Yeah. I like the fact that I like the fact that you brought up the watchman principle because that's what you that's what you talked about a minute ago. Uh, because I think you know Paul talked about that I believe when he said goodbye to the Ephesian elders. Um, he kind of did a, had a Samuel moment where he, where he called all of them together and said, you know, if I've wronged any of you, I, I have told you the truth. Um, you know, therefore your blood is not on my hands. Uh, the Bible takes that very very seriously. In Romans, it also says uh, that that giving hearty approval to people that sin uh, is also grievous. And so, I, you know, and, and that all kind of that all kind of fits right into what we talked about from the pulpit two or three Sundays ago about church discipline. I mean, it is for us to know, not, not gossip and not hearsay, okay? For us to know that somebody is involved in some form of grievous sin, believer or unbeliever, and we, and we do nothing, nothing to try to reach out to them, to turn them from that, the Bible says their blood is on our hands. And it's crazy. And, and, that, and that's, that's, that's scary. I mean, oh, that, that's scary, man. I mean... I mean, you got family members or friends, and you know they're invi- they're involved in something, and you have never, never. Now, I'm not. Now, if you've tried, that's different. But if you have just resigned yourself to just say, "Oh, they're not going to listen. I'm not going to try," and you've never tried to say, "Hey, what you're doing is wrong. You need to quit." The Bible's very clear about that. You know, and it's so crazy that you put that in the because because the approach is different with the two different uh, people, right? The the lost person. We approach them and their sin differently than we do the believer. With the believer, we say, hey, you know, you've experienced the grace of God. You know the truth. Come on, come on back, brother. What are you doing, you know? And with the lost person, we say, brother, hey, there's grace in Christ. You know, you're a sinner, right? You got to say that part when you evangelize. You're a sinner, but guess what? The good news is Christ has come to give us grace uh, for our sin, for my sin and your sin. I've been saved, and I want you to experience that, right? I, I was listening to a sermon one time, and the guy was sharing, Jay, no, it wasn't Jay Louder, I can't remember his name, but anyway, he was uh, sharing a sermon on evangelism, and he said that he was at a hotel and he had popped the news on for a few minutes before he went to a speaking engagement one time. Well, they were reporting about how this person was at a gas pump, and they had been hit, they had been uh, shot, is what it was. They had been shot, it was caught on camera, he had been shot, and he was laying, this was real, Good really grief. happening, he was laying in, in the pool of his own blood. And, uh, and literally, you could see people pull up to the gas pump. They saw him, and they hopped up, back in their cars and, and left. And, and, and he just said, man, I wanted to find those people and then just, just shake them. You know? And he said, and then, and then I thought about it, and God just convicted me like a hammer. Every time that I see someone I should be evangelizing yeah. to, they're lost, they're dying, they're going to hell. Yeah. And I, I pass them by sometimes. Right. And it was just like... Woo! Right. Man. Right. Let's see. I mean, this talk this, about convicting. Well, it's tough theology. There's yeah. no question about it. All right. Absolutely. So the watchman principle. Anything else? We're running out of time. It is uh, 6:57. So okay. we got about we got we got to stop for prayer here in a minute. I had to um, say this one. If you yeah, go ahead. Uh, chapter six, uh, starting okay. in verse the end of verse 12. Okay. Thus I will spend my fury upon them, and you shall know that I am the Lord. When their slain lie among their idols, around their altars, on every high hill, on all the mountaintops, under every green tree, and under every leafy oak, wherever they offered pleasing aroma to, other, uh, to all their idols. And I thought about this, and you see this immense wrath of God toward his people for, for running after these other false gods in, in, the, in the depth of their sin, and, and he's about to pour out his wrath 
on his people because of what they've done. And, and they're going to be slain up on the mountaintops, he says. You will see them at the foot of their idols up on these mountaintops. And it just, it just hit me that, that in these days, we, we should have been slain on our mountaintops, but God poured out the wrath, all of his wrath, toward our sin on another hill. That's right. On Calvary. Calvary. Hill, on Christ instead of us. And I mean, wow, it's amazing to think about the grace of God that, that, that he loves us so much that he would be willing to pour his wrath against all of our sin on his son, rather his beloved son, his righteous son, rather than, rather than me, who I deserve to be right here with the Israelites because <laughs> I've had my idolatry. I've had my share of it. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, look at the, since you went that direction talking about wrath, look at chapter 9. And just listen to the, to, just to the graphic nature of this. I mean, again, this is the, you don't, you don't hear, I mean, you just don't hear this kind of preaching uh, on, on TV in the public sphere. You know, what, how, many, how many times have you heard any preacher preach on Ezekiel 9? Then he cried in my ears with a loud voice saying, bring near the executioners of the city, each with his destroying weapon in his hand. And behold, six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his weapon for slaughter in his hand. And with them was a man clothed in linen with a writing case at his wrist. And they went and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested in the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed in linen, who had the writing case at his wrist. And the Lord said, pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. And to the others, he said in my hearing, pass through the city after him and strike. Your eyes shall not spare, and you shall show no pity. Kill. Are y'all listening to this? Kill old men outright, young men and maidens, little children and women, but touch no one on whom is the mark and begin at my sanctuary. Does that make you cringe? I mean, the judgment of God is serious, my friends. I mean, when you just t said that about Calvary and the cross and, and God's wrath, I mean, that, that's, that right there is what we are avoiding in the grace of Christ. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? We're just about out of time. Any, anybody have a burning desire? Burning desire. Let's see here. Let's see if I've got one, maybe. Do you have one, Colton? You got another one you want to read? Oh, I'm, I had a few notes. Did you, did you like the story or not like the story? Did you, the story of the, um, uh, in chapter 11, where the, the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the house of the Lord, which faces the east, and behold, at the entrance of the gateway, there were 25 men, and I saw among them Jazaniah, the son of Azur, uh, Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. And then if you look all the way down to the bottom in verse 13, after God talked about all of the judgment that was coming on the princes, on the princes of, uh, of, of uh, Judah, and it came to pass while I was prophesying that Pelatiah, the son of Benaiah, what? Died. Died. So judgment um, and wrath and destruction. I've got one more that I thought okay, was go right really ahead. good. Uh, Ezekiel 12, starting in 26. Okay. And the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say, the vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore, say to them, 
Thus says the Lord God, none of my words will be delayed any longer, but the word that I speak will be performed, declares the Lord. And I read that with force because I just feel like this is the Lord saying, look, your time is up. I'm coming. And I, you know, and I think that we, we have to be careful when we're thinking about Jesus' words when he says, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. Um, it's it's going to be unexpected. And, and you better believe it's coming. I'm coming back for my people. Um, and it, it means that God's people better be getting busy. And it, better, it means that all, all the people who don't know Christ, hopefully, better be turning to the Lord and, and coming to him. I mean, yeah, through our work, of course. But, I mean, he's coming. And I just... the. And, and another principle in this, I think, too, I think that we get softened when we, when we forget that principle, that God is going to come back, that Christ is going to come back in an unexpected hour, an unexpected time. And uh, when we get further away from that idea and that notion, it gets, it gets easier and easier for us to just pursue the cares of the world rather than knowing our, a laser focus on the fact that, that he's coming. He's coming back. I need to be ready. Because look, here's the thing, don't, don't have the perspective. I mean, this, if I can get this in my head and in my heart and your hearts, that just because we are saved doesn't mean that we are going to escape judgment. And, and I love that Shelby preaches that all the time. We will still stand before Christ and he will still have, he will call us to account for what we have done in this life. And, and the last thing you want to do, I was telling someone when I was counseling the other day, the last thing you want to do, the last thing I want to see you do as your counselor, is to be standing at the finish line and see you doing this. Well, Lord, I tried, you know, <laughs> you're just hobbling, making your way through. I don't want that. I want you to be sprinting across that finish line saying, man, well done, my good and faithful servant, yeah. right? And because we're, we're going to have to give an account too. Absolutely. So, All right, well, we are out of time. So let's take prayer requests and uh, we will pick up here next week, 24. What we'll do is we'll go ahead... Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go through his, um, his ministry right quick, and then we'll, then we'll jump to, the, uh, to after the fall of Jerusalem. All right? Guys, I'm going to cut this off, the uh, computer. They're not, they're not listening. All right, um, prayer requests. Let's see. I know that we are praying for DJ Carter and his family and the loss of his mother. And let's see. Dodie Williams has asked for prayer for her son. Look, it sounds like Lifeway is downsizing again, and a lot of people are losing their jobs. So we need to pray for the Lifeway. Lifeway employees. Brian, he's a good guy. Yep. And let's see. Any other prayer out there? Y'all ring them out. Yes, Jim. That's right, Rita Smith. Anybody else out there? Additional prayer request? Anybody? Yes, Walter.
Yeah, there was there was somebody in California, I think, propo- proposed some kind of bill two years ago to to take the Bible uh, out of California or something, and it, it didn't it didn't get anywhere. I, I remember reading about that. There's some wild stuff. Well, the cult, just remember, just just remember, Jesus told us all this was going to happen. Okay, this 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 is no surprise to God, but but we've still got to be strong, continue to study the Word, and and never descend to being ugly, nasty, and mean. We still need to be graceful, loving, caring believers. Absolutely vote the values that we believe in that reflect. Yes, Brandon. (laughs) That's good. That's good. good. So just remember that. We we definitely definitely want to be remembered in the right way for for Christ. Um, I'm just saying if there's anything else needs to be mentioned. The, the prayer sheets are out there, all Priscilla of these. West was moved back to diversity care, I believe. Is that right, Jim? Priscilla West, back to diversity care? Yeah. Okay. She's back in diversity care. Yeah, Teresa brought that to us today. Okay, gotcha. Okay. The past few times I've tried to text her, I couldn't get through either. So... Okay. All right, just, just keep, y'all keep Priscilla in mind. I mean, she, she had, this, this sister has been, y'all know, has been struggling ever since, I mean, severely ever since her mom died. Uh, so so I, I know that she, she's lonely and, and having a hard time. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Good. Well, great. <clears throat> yeah. Well, that's great to hear, Juanis. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Well, uh, Colton, I think it's your turn to pray tonight, man. Let's do it, man. Yeah, I think I prayed last week. All so. right. Let's pray, guys. All right. Lord, we thank you so very much for this night of just studying and diving deep again in your word. And, uh, Father, this has just been such a fun series to me, and I really hope that it, it has been for the congregation as well. Um, and just seeing how many people continue to come on Wednesday night, I'm, I'm encouraged by that, Father. I thank you that there are people in this house who love your word and, and want to surround, uh, surround it and, and, and gaze into it and learn from it and, and to see glimpses of your glory from it, uh, like Ezekiel, Lord, when, when he had a glimpse, a vision of your glory uh, up on that throne, God. And, and I pray that we would have the same response like uh, my brother Shelby said tonight, Lord, that we would bow down before you in, in awe and worship God. I pray that we would find a moment like that this week, maybe a few moments like that this week where we really could get real with you, Lord, where we could confess sins, Lord, where we could uh, admire you and draw near to you, uh, Lord, to um, ask and plead of you that we would be more faithful to the call that you've given us, O oh Lord, and to thank you for the ways that you've strengthened us to be faithful to your call, O oh Lord, in this mission you've given us to make disciples of all nations. Lord, I do uh, just thank you again for all the many blessings that you have given uh, in our lives. Lord, I, I just pray for our sister Priscilla. I think about her and all of the different just pains and struggles and health issues she has been through uh, in her life, God, in, in, the, in the short time that I have known her here and Lord, it's amazing to me, every time I saw her in the doors of this church, Lord, she always had a smile on her face. And, and God, that's just amazing because I, I don't have the health issues she does. She has a, a, a many. 
and yet she has joy, Lord, and it reminds me to be joyful even in the midst of my discomforts, even in the midst of my frustrations, God, that I can still find joy uh, and rejoicing in you, a, a reason to rejoice, and I thank you for it. God, we pray for uh, Dodie's son, Brian, and the loss of his job, Lord. Unfortunately, so many people right now just where LifeWay's at are losing their positions, and I know there's a lot of people who are scared they're about to lose their jobs, and probably will, Lord, and, and I pray for these people, God. I pray that they wouldn't ha hold deep resentment in their heart toward LifeWay. <clears throat> God, uh, LifeWay is still a business, and they've got to do what they've got to do. And, but Lord, I do pray for these people that you would help them to get rooted into a really healthy, great place, a place that they could look forward to going to work. God, I pray that uh, for them, Lord. I pray for DJ and this deep uh, sorrow of loss. God, would you be with him? Would you give him an extra dose of a sense that, of your presence that's there? God, that he could cast his cares upon you because we know that you care for us and that, that he can do that. And I pray that he would in this time, this, this sorrowful time. And I pray that you would help us as a church to continue, not just right now, but in the days and the weeks and the months ahead to come alongside and shoulder up next to him and, and ask him how he's doing and uh, show ways of, of love and care for DJ. We, we love our brother DJ. And so we pray for him in this moment and Lee as well, God. Would you give them comfort and strength? Uh, Lord, we thank you. Help us to go outside of these walls tonight, ready to live for you, to glorify your name. We love you, Jesus. It's in your heavenly name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Good night, Lafayette. Love y'all. See you Sunday. We will be meeting in person on Sunday now that the snowstorm is over.